Well, welcome to Talk It Out, the show where we discuss the Sunday message. My name is Chase. I'm joined by Jeff. Hello. And Montana. Hello. And nobody looking at an empty chair today. Ross couldn't join us. He's just, you know, out there. Laying around, being lazy. I'm just kidding. You always, you always do that. It's my, it's my go-to. It's my go-to. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to host today because I feel odd doing that since <laughs> I had the opportunity to share yesterday. So I'm going to let Montana host. So Montana, take it away. Okay. Sunday was the final week of our growth series, week four. And yeah, Chase, you got to give the message and it was really great. Thank you. It was called Needs. But like I, I said, said on the pre-show, <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> no, just I mean, to make it rhyme. I'm sure, yeah, there's a stretch there. But really, it was about harvesting fruit. But more than that, what do you do after you harvest the fruit? So, like usual, except don't answer, Chase. Oh. Jeff, what was the, what was, was something? Was it really called the, needs? Yeah. Why not seeds? Because we already did seeds. Oh. Seeds, weeds. Come on. Well, we had the whole seed thing at the end. The seed thing about the watermelon. True. It did come back to seeds. <laughs> it did. I should have called it, it seeds did. part two. But then there's just weeds in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It would have been seeds, up. weeds, seeds, seeds part, part two. two. <laughs> yeah. That would have been more appropriate. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Honestly, I just loved, I like when anybody talks about generosity on a, I guess, more of a creative mindset of like, you know, I really appreciated how you said, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go back there and hold babies if you hate holding babies. Yeah. Uh, Which, Nobody should hate holding babies. That's that feels. <laughs> I mean, wrong. you hold a baby for five hours a day, and then someone else is like, "Hold this other baby." You're like, I don't <laughs> that's really not know yours. Hold this baby. It's not yours. It's also crying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I also like how you said it, you said it sounds selfish, but I don't think it's selfish at all. But find something you enjoy being generous in. I think yeah. God gives us those passions for a reason, and generosity is supposed to bring you joy. Right. So when you find the things that bring you joy and be generous in that. It can be super powerful. Yeah, I think that was something I, I struggled with a little bit because I, I've just grown up with like the, and and this is my perception. I don't think every pastor has done this, but the perception, the message I received still overall was like that cracking of the whip of like, yeah. no, just give all your money. Mm-hmm. Just, it's all always comes back to that. And and that is important. Right. But like you said, Jeff, and, and I, obviously that's why I said it, the idea of finding those things that like make your heart beat fast. Yeah. And and for some people like I do think about some of the the families that get to hold our babies back there. They mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, the grandma, whether it's a, a young kid, whoever it is, like there's just something that they so enjoy doing that and serving families in that way. And for them like it makes it easier to want to do that more often. Mm-hmm. You know, especially Jeff you and I like we'll enjoy doing other things. You know, we'll enjoy helping someone move. We'll enjoy pick your thing. Like there, there's things like for us that, and even I think enjoys is, is a word, but like feeling satisfied, feeling like we yeah. did this. Cause sometimes it's not fun moving, you know, yeah. someone asks you to move and it's the middle of July. You don't want to do that. But like, but there's still a piece of you that knows like I can help with this and this would be a huge blessing to them. Yeah. And, and I think the more you do whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you figure out that satisfies you that you know is fun for you um the more you do that i think the more enjoyable it becomes because you see the impact that it's having yeah yeah so and even like oh sorry. go ahead well i was gonna say so i'm moving this week does that mean you're gonna come help me move well i'm busy this <laughs> oh, week okay, figured, but figured. i have one question yes are you moving out of a second or third floor building 
Or are you moving into a second or third floor Good building? Question. Neither. Oh, perfect. Oh. Yeah, then I'll help. That's from house to house. <laughs> you can't have that much stuff. No, I don't. Okay. I actually moved it all on my own. Thank you yeah, for asking. Else. So you're done. Well, there's so a few things. <laughs> I, I haven't moved any of the big things because mm. that's hard how to do. How many yourself. big things are there? Just a mattress. Okay. <laughs> so you can't have that a much. bookshelf, but it's pretty small. Back, uh, and that's it. All right. We'll do it. Okay. Yeah, thank we'll you. get it taken care of. Thank you. Uh, but one thing I was going to say is like even when with the joy part of it, I like to play this little game where even with financially, I find joy out of it because like I'm a pastor. My wife's a teacher. We're not... Making, so you're super rich, what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. We're <laughs> totally rich. Uh, but I like to look around like the church and fi- just find my favorite things and be like, maybe I help provide this. Oh, yeah. That like is when true. the lights are really cool, like I could have paid for that light bulb. There you go. What's up? <laughs> no, uh, seriously, amazing. though, on that note, like I – because I grew a little cold on that deal mm-hmm. of – and I said it, you know, I said it yesterday too, but I just have always done it and like automatically, you know, deduct it and yeah. – God's cut. I get it. Move on. But, but even that, like, I just grew cold with it, uh, and and like cold hearted about it, mm-hmm. and started just you know, getting selfish a little bit in my mind. But just thinking, like, count it up. Like, man, like, what about this? What if I did that? What if I could, you know, this could help me on this? And and so I started. This is so overly practical. But I started like to log in on our website, like on the little giving portal deal, yeah. and like look at how much we were giving, yeah. and and be like, wow, like this is really cool that God's blessed us and we're able to give this much back. And it's like you said, it's not like it's a lot, but it's just this idea of putting that number in front of me mm-hmm. and and doing it regularly. And, and it is like we say that giving is worship. Well, then if I take time to pause and to worship, mm-hmm. if I take time to quiet all the other noise and 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 spend time declaring who God is and praying and worshiping him then like even taking a moment to say okay look how much we've given you know look how much that we've we've helped people mm-hmm. like that's a part of worship it's a part of of reflecting on how we're using the things God's given us to help other people yeah. and so that's something I've done just just here across Simmers but even you know we we give to a couple other organizations and we get we'll end the year statements from them but like even just reading through their newsletters and like being like we were part of this, even in a small a, a small part of it, we're still a part of some of these really great stories. And I think I think the more that, like you said, the more that we see that we have a little bit of fun with it, um, the more that yes, it, it ignites our heart to want to continue to give. But it reminds us ultimately that we're not just giving to to give. You know, we're not just giving for. Josiah, we're not just giving for whoever. Like we're giving to see, uh, to see God move and yeah. to see God help people. Yeah. And and so that's that's the invitation that there is, and and sharing the things God's given us. Yeah, I also I really liked. Well, I, I've loved the story of kind of where that ten percent of giving mm-hmm. comes from. The farmers don't mm-hmm. don't reap all the way to the to the edges. I thought that was really cool, but I also really liked when. When you were saying, don't pick up the fallen fruit. Not you. You didn't say that. I'm sure that's a reference in scripture, but you also Leviticus, said it. <laughs> you know, 19, 9, and 10. Okay, thank you. Um, don't clean your fields. Don't pick up the fallen fruit. Right, right. Leave it for the needy. And, the and you said, you know, if you have so much to carry that something falls, like then you have enough. And mm-hmm. I don't know, that really, that really stuck in my head, that image of, I don't know, for some reason I thought about like carrying groceries mm-hmm. out, you know, when you try to carry all of your groceries in one and it's like, man, the fact that 
we're seeing if we can carry all of our groceries in one trip is like, because we have so much, can we carry it all in one? Like it's some sort of challenge. I don't know. It was almost like, dang, (laughs) that's, that's a good reflection point. You Mm. know, like, let me look back and see, am I even, even back to the beginning when you said a third of, you know, the United States food goes to waste. Like, am I buying too much? Like, Mm -hmm. am I spending more than I am giving? Definitely. Yes. But (laughs) definitely, yes. I mean, that's just the truth. But I don't know. I just thought that was a really good image. Yeah. It reminded me of when, like, at our house, we'll have leftovers. Mm -hmm. And then the (laughs) next day, we'll have all these leftovers in our fridge from the night before. And we're like, do we want to eat those leftovers? No. (laughs) No. Let's let's make something else or let's order something else. And it just reminds me of, like, yeah, like, there's extra margin Definitely in, mm. in, our, in my life and yes. just in the food area of that 30% that we are th- throwing away. Literally yesterday, we did the whole, hey, we got some groceries, so let's clean out the fridge and <laughs> yeah. throw out all the food. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so upsetting. Bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that's, I don't know, it's it's a part of our culture, I think, the way that we operate as well. So, like, mm. even the idea of grocery shopping once a week on average um, – you know, sometimes even less, like it may be a week and a half, maybe two weeks, you can, you know, because we can pile up food because, right. you know, like, let me ask you all this question just as, on this conversation. How many refrigerators do you have in your house? How I, many? Only have, I only have one, but I would one. like another one. You'd like a garage fridge, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I know you have built two. built within oh, yeah, our culture. Two. Yeah, we have two, right? And we actually... Don't you have a freezer too? We also have a deep freeze. Yeah. So, so like this concept, Oof, yeah. and, and I'll be honest, when I was a kid, we never had a garage fridge. So anyone who had one, I was like, God, they're rich. That yeah. was one of those deals. Like <laughs> That's the if you have fridge. a second refrigerator, you're rich because you not only do That's you have another drinks. one, but you also get to throw a bunch of drinks in yeah. it. That's all your soda <laughs> that you bought. It's yeah. so silly. Like, but, oh but yeah, like the, the fact that we even have a second refrigerator <laughs> or a deep freezer, mm-hmm. like, there, there is, there is something to be said for that of of needing this extra space, whether it's to stockpile stuff or it's because you're just buying so much. And yeah. the the idea of grocery shopping, what that looks like, you go back to Old Testament times. You go back to fifty years ago, the probably longer, I guess, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Like we didn't have all this space. We didn't have all these refrigerators mm-hmm. and all this technology. Uh, okay. But what people would do is like you would shop more often. You yeah. would shop every couple days. You would go buy what you needed in that day. Yeah. And and I I think the picture of that ties so so directly to Jesus using that language of daily bread. Yeah. Like yeah. in in the Lord's prayer of give us this day our daily bread. Like there there was no bake this bread and put it in a sealable box where it will keep, you know. It was like yeah. no, you you baked bread daily. Like it was just <laughs> part of the the way of living. And yeah. so technology has helped us tremendously, sure, but it also has helped us to be sometimes lazy and like you're saying, to to overspend and yeah. to oversave and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I'm not saying, you know, get rid of your get rid of your refrigerators. I, I I just think <laughs> the more that we're aware of that practically, yes, you can save money. You can you can waste less. But like that principle applies across your life too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, the 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 paying attention to where you're spending anything, yeah. time, mm-hmm. money, energy, whatever it might be, like paying attention to that so that you can not waste things. Yeah. You know, it, it's not even about, it's not so that you can give more to God or to the church. Like it's not that. It's yeah. 
it's not being a people of waste. Right. It's not being a people of waste. I also think it opens up to where it puts you in a position to where you are able to give in any moment. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a planned give. Like if if, if a need arises, you that's can fill really that need. Good. And like the farming idea from Leviticus is the perfect example. Could you imagine how amazing it would be back then to like there's this land where if you're traveling through or if you're hungry, people are just giving away the one resource mm. that you're desperate for. Mm. Yeah. And so they were able to just have that readily available. And so yeah. I think God, that's the same thing. He calls us into this lifestyle of generosity. And so when we get honest with our spending, it creates this little bit of space because there's going to be a moment in your life where you're going to pass the person on the street who's not doing so great, or you're going to hear the Facebook story of someone who's in trouble and God's going to call you to give and you're going to have the capability in that situation to give freely and not be worried about what does this mean for me down the road? Because I've already had this ready to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one thing you had mentioned in the message was that there's two things that keep us from being generous, pride and fear. So which one do you feel like you fall into? Mm, mine is definitely fear. <laughs> fear, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I mean, just honestly, like me and my wife, we... We didn't do the whole, like, let's wait till we're financially ready to get married. We're like, you know what? We're ready to be married. We want to be married, so let's get married. (laughs) And honestly, like, their part of it was great because we had to lean on each other and trust each other. But we've never had, like, this great excess. We've definitely been, like, blessed into the place to where we bought a home and stuff. That's Mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah. But there were times where we really, really struggled financially. And so now that we're not there anymore... There's that fear of, I don't want to go back there. Go back, right. yeah. Because that was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fear for me, for sure. And and it's the same deal. It's like that fear is still going back and attaching to what I said of trust. But yeah, like I, I think that's probably my bend anyway is to worry. Mm-hmm. And so that's for sure it. Even, I mean, you know, just, it's fear. <laughs> it's fear. Yeah, I think for me too, I guess I don't always think, oh, I won't have enough for tomorrow. Mm. It's like, but what if, like, I just go worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, what if something happens? Like, I break my leg and I need to have this emergency fund or, like, it's it's like I try to reason my way out of it, adding some logic in there of, like, well, it's just smart to save money and hold on to it. And and for me, my parents – just did not have good money management skills. Mm. And I I watched them struggle a lot growing up. And I remember vividly thinking, like, I'm never going to be like that. I need to always know how much money I'm uh, I'm taking in. And I, I never want to live paycheck to paycheck if I don't have to. And so I'm, it's like I become a little bit of a hoarder. And I don't know. I feel like I've been learning a lot more recently. Like money comes and goes. If I really do believe that God will provide for me each and every day, then that means I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Like, and mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about a worst case scenario because the Lord is going to provide for me wh- if that happens. And it, usually it's like, that's probably not going to happen anyway. That's a bit extreme. So yeah. it still comes from fear. It's just, I don't know, I'm working on it mm-hmm. a little bit more Absolutely. recently. I mentioned this specifically in second service of wanting to talk more about that today on the podcast and first service, I kind of hit it on a little bit more, 
this idea of pride and fear of battling generosity, what I want to talk about is is looking at the nation of Israel and where they had been. Mm-hmm. And this goes all the way back to like Joseph, mm-hmm. right? So you've got Judah, <clears throat> the brothers, Joseph, the second youngest. This is Genesis, basically 50 in the few chapters yeah. before, right at the end. You've got the, these brothers uh, this drought is coming. This famine is coming to the land. Joseph tells at that point the Pharaoh. Uh, the Pharaoh gives him this high seat and says, "You're second in command. Way to go!" Um, they store all this food for seven years. So when the famine starts, Judah and the nation of Israel, like Judah, kind of representing that that group, um, they all have to now come to Egypt to get food because it had been stored because mm-hmm. they had been saving. Yeah. And so this is where we start with. This idea of, hey, a famine came out of nowhere. I've got to go over to not, not even really an enemy, but just a foreign a foreign place mm-hmm. yeah. to get this food. Uh, that Pharaoh dies. The new Pharaoh doesn't recognize God and his power and who he is, enslaves this nation for 400 years. So you've got this long time of uh, in this generational pattern of just slavery. Mm-hmm. And this is just what we do. We work. We barely eat, we barely make it, we work uh, until we die. And that's that's just, that's how our life is. You get this group, this this nation of people, and I think they, what is it, about two to four million is kind of the yeah. rough estimate. Moses goes and does his deal with God. They are released, they leave Egypt. Now we're wandering, we're wandering for 40 years. Yep. And and this is one of my favorite concepts. We'll get back to the daily bread deal. While they're wandering, God is showing up every day in manna. Yeah. Manna is this weird fluff food, and even food's a strong word. It's substance that will mm-hmm. get you to the next day. Yeah. And it specifically says that if you take too much, it will rot. Yeah. So it's only good for that day. Hmm. And that was what they depended on for 40 years was, was manna. Yeah. And, and it sustained them. Mm-hmm. So they finally get to the promised land. They finally get to establish a home and a community. They finally get to, you know, draw their lines and begin to farm, begin to, mm-hmm. you know, sow seeds uh, in a fertile land and a good land. And this is where I think pride and fear starts to come into play because you've got, depending on personalities and things, one generation or one family that would have been, you know, hearing these stories of slavery and then of wandering. So for them, it's plan it all, keep it all, because you never know. Yeah. The other half, you know, you've got families who are saying, well, we worked hard. We wandered all these years. We finally made it. So everything we plant's ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's the interesting concept where so many of Moses's laws they either go back to some form of generosity or some form of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of laws around how to do a sacrifice, all the different types of sacrifices, what to wear, what to say, what to do, how to prepare the sacrifice, how to build the altar, all these things. Mm -hmm. But like, that's a hard concept for someone who's been stuck in hundreds of years of, of a generational pattern of slavery and going without. And so I think for us, like you said, Montana, like, we have our own family patterns and things that we've learned and seen. This kind of even goes to the end of the message. Like, what is it that you can do different? You know, and we've learned good things and bad things from our upbringing, of course, yeah. all of us. But like, what is it that you can do different that your kids and the people behind you who are watching you don't grow up with stories of fear and mm-hmm. stories of of going without? 
and stories of pride too of you know your father built this and then i built this and now you'll build it. like <laughs> how do we grow up and and change that narrative where we are raising a generous generation yeah yeah i think that's an interesting question and and it's kind of like the beginning of your message i don't know if this was actually in the beginning of your message but when you're talking about this still this 30% and like what if 30% of our life was not shared with others and I feel like we kind of have the tendency to only share the bad things or like the troubles we've gone through, especially mm-hmm. with your kids because you're like, oh, this this was hard and so I don't want it to be like that for you anymore, but not really. And so you try to turn it positive, like bad things happen, so now they won't happen to you. Mm-hmm. At least that's definitely what I heard growing up. It's like, but what about the good things that did happen to you? We don't really share those because I don't know. I get. I think it does come from a pride a little bit. Like the bad mm-hmm. things that we have overcome ourselves are worth sharing, but the blessings we got are almost like, well, that just happened, and you know, I'm just gonna not really mention it. And so, even mm-hmm. sh- I think it's important to share share the troubles, sure, but share all the ways that you had to trust the Lord that it was it was gonna mm-hmm. work out and. You know, and you didn't do it on your own. It's kind of like you got to take this hit of like, this was not of myself. And to your kids, you want to look like, you know, I'm always going to be here for you. Like you, I I can give you what you need. And it's like, well, sometimes we can't. Mm. Yeah. I think it's like trusting your kids as they get a little older. Because like when I grew up, I was always kind of given this like, oh, he's just a kid. He's not going to understand uh, especially when it came to why decisions were made and stuff. Like as far as generosity, mm. all I really knew of it was like, hey, this plate's coming around and my dad gave me a dollar and I got to put <laughs> it in there and that's fun. Exactly. Uh, but tr- I mean, trusting your kids, they can understand hard things, especially when you're there to teach it to them. And so like helping them understand like, hey, this is why we're giving this much money or hey, we're going to go and serve at this place and here's why we're going to do it. And not necessarily like letting them have a choice about it, but letting them have a seat at the table and helping them understand why you're making the decisions that you're making and letting them kind of be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one great example of this, and just to kind of give a shout out, is we have these people who come serve at the Hope Center who they're called YMSL, which I think stands for the Young Men's Service League. Oh, yeah. And a part of me wishes it was like a real league and there was points and a champion, but it's not. Cool. But it's really like the, it's it's kind of these uh, – it's a lot of mothers who are coming up with their teenage sons to just serve. And these boys have this just understanding that they are there to serve and they're there to work hard. And that's exactly what they do. And you literally are seeing them being stilled with this lesson of generosity uh, and it's just a great example of like, yes, they're younger and yes, it could be harder for them to understand. But whenever you're willing to take the time and the effort, mm-hmm. you put that within them and mm-hmm. they, you know, train them up. Okay. So at the very end, you cut open the watermelon. Mm-hmm. First of all, I was very impressed by how, Shoom. yeah, like it just was one clean cut. I had very little faith. I thought you were going to be up there like What did you say it was? Struggling. It wasn't a machete. It was a... It's a parang. Yeah, that was a weird comment that to add in like there. sounds like a fruit. I was, you know, I just a shout out to all my, <laughs> my outdoorsy folks. Okay. Well, a parang is a different type of blade. It's mm. a... A machete is very long. Machete. And, and typically pretty straight. 
the praying you saw obviously has a curve. It actually is Looks like a, a little more like Aladdin-y. <laughs> and, yeah. and the yeah. idea of it is it, it the weight behind it, like a machete is also a little bit lighter. It's used for, you know, chopping your way through like thin brush where that parang can be used for lots of things. Like I've, I've chopped down small branches with it. Small but at the same branches. time, you know, you can, you can cut through stuff like you would a machete as well, but... Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Good little lesson on. There's uh, your parangue lesson, your knife lesson for yeah. the day. I was told that that was illegal, actually, because the, it was of illegal? the size of the blade, it's, it was actually like considered a weapon that wasn't like <gasps> a pocket knife. And because of our, our signs that we have posted, oh, no. I was basically open carrying. A weapon. Oh my I was like, gosh, oh, that's good to that's know. Terrifying. So I should have cleared that. So I, I apologize. Oh, yikes. So yikes. <laughs> you cut open the two watermelons with an illegal knife. Yes. And one had seeds and one did not have seeds. Correct. That was wrapped up the whole message, right? Like Whole we, message right there. Right there. One in, picture. In four slices. And so the whole idea was we have this fruit, but if if the fruit does not allow other fruit to be produced, then... A little bit like, what's the point of it? You know, like it might yeah. be fine to enjoy yourself, but what's it? So from a practical standpoint, which I know you love, mm-hmm. one question that you said was, what does it mean to multiply? So we, we talked about what it means to be fruitful, uh, specifically like the fruit of the spirit and, and how people will know who we are. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what it looks like for your fruit to multiply? Because... There's a lot of it we can't see, right? So it's hard to always know yeah. if this action will actually multiply. So talk So about in Revelation more. chapter 5 or 6, kind of the infamous lines when using lots of worship songs, but it's basically this wrap up to and I I love I love the book of Revelation. It gets crazy and it's all a dream and it all just points to the fact that we went in the end. That's all you need to really know. Um, <laughs> but the the early chapters of Revelation are the letters that are written to these churches. What I love is that these letters are pretty specific about how to continue to operate, how to hold on to hope. And then you get to this passage I'm about to share, and it's like, how are all of these churches, no matter what you might be dealing with, no matter what your main problem might be, like, how are you going to win? Well, and it says, we're, you know, you're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And so you're going to overcome because of what Jesus has already done and in you sharing those your stories of, of victory, mm-hmm. like you sharing about Jesus winning in your life. Mm-hmm. And you just said earlier, like that idea of sharing, mm-hmm. like to me, that is the biggest thing. So how do you share peace? How do you multiply peace? Because you can't hold it, right. can't plan it. But in sharing peace, like in sharing the stories of peace and sharing how you have peace in hard moments— that's the way you multiply it. That's the way that you show somebody, hey, this is how it's worked for me, and I think it can work this way for you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost inviting them into that experience. Mm-hmm. I, I think even about joy. So like when you're joyful, you're feeling provided for, you have something that, and as I have said even earlier, like makes your heart beat fast. Like you're a part of something that you're seeing the positive effects of it, whether it's a work thing, whether it's a, a fun thing you like doing. Um, it just does something for you. If we're going to multiply joy, we invite people into that, right? Yeah. We invite people to experience that alongside of us. We cover the cost for them. We say, mm-hmm. come come alongside. I'll take care of you because I want you to enjoy this as well. Yeah. To me, that's the way we multiply. Beyond 
the practical stuff of mm-hmm. like, oh, I have all this food, I'm going to give it to you, but make sure you go give some to someone else. Yeah. Beyond that, like that's easy to see. Yeah. Those emotions that we experience, the you know, the idea of gentleness, like we, we're not just gentle to ourselves. We're not just gentle with our family. Like we show that in the world around us and we invite people to uh, the same feeling, the same thing they experience from us to share with somebody else too. And that to me is how we, how we multiply. Yeah. I definitely see it. Like I loved the imagery you had of the watermelons, like the one that was seedless. It's still good to eat. Mm-hmm. It's still good to be enjoyed. It's going to taste delicious. But the ones with seed is the exact same way. It just has much more power. And so I took that practically as like, there's certain people that I just know. They are well off. They're doing great. But all of their stuff is not their stuff. Like it's the people I know who have a boat, but love to bring people Mm -hmm. on the boat or let people Mm -hmm. use the boat. I think that is one of the most practical things of like, you've been given these things, whatever it is. You have stuff to enjoy, whether it's an awesome house, whether it's extra food, uh, whether it's just like your friendship. Yeah, yeah. And you can have that and enjoy it. But when, whenever you're willing to give that out to other people, it makes that multiplying effect of like, it's not just for me, but it's for everyone. Mm. I thought that watermelon thing was perfect. And can I dive in on the watermelon for a second? Sure, so. Dive in. Because I had to look this up. Like, I knew that there's a different, you know, two different whatever. Shocker, maybe. I don't like watermelon. What? I don't like watermelon. Oh, I'm out on it. Great, great, great illustration. I ain't going to eat it. So, <laughs> and I felt bad after after the first service. So I just want to make sure everyone hears this publicly, right? We gave all the watermelon away. So, like, it didn't just get thrown away. It didn't Good. just get used for an illustration. People actually took it home. So, I was, I was actually grateful for that because I'm like, you can't say... In your message, don't waste food, and then, and then like throw, away <laughs> throw open four technically watermelons. So anyway, they got eaten. Don't worry, everybody. Awesome. But I had to look this up, like because it's like, how on earth did just a watermelon happen that's seedless? It's genetically modified, mm-hmm. and I think it was in the sixties they figured out how to do this. And and if you you know you open a seedless watermelon, and there's these little almost white looking seeds, yeah. not yeah. seeds. I don't even know what they technically would be called. Uh, but that's what's also funny to me is like you still don't want to eat those. Like you're still picking those out of your, you know, your watermelon. So like I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand. But yeah. the point of it is like those watermelons are genetically modified. They're typically smaller. They're perfect round watermelons from the outside. It just this, this just all is so easy to me in my head. It's just like this perfectly outside image of like the perfect watermelon and what it should be. But but in the inside, like it's it. It's just dead. Yeah. It's literally dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm learning all this as I was, you know, preparing for this message and everything. And it's just like you look at a traditional watermelon and it's ugly, man. That thing is, you know, oblong and it's weird. And, but the thing is, is like, that is our life. Like yeah. things that look really perfect and have been modified over and over. Like, I, you know, you get into self image stuff, you know, Seriously. on this, mm-hmm. like, like those things don't like they're empty on the inside. Yeah. And so this, this idea of stuff that looks odd, but is natural, yeah. like it looks odd, but it's, it's organic. Mm-hmm. Like it's real. Like that's, what's going to continue to produce life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it may not fit in the, you know, cookie cutter lens of, of what culture or what the world's screaming at us, but, but it is what's going to last forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is just so funny. Like I, we could have just 
taken five minutes to talk about that alone. Yeah. And that would have been enough for me because it's like, yeah, like I look around at my life and, you know, and, and even think about this and all, I'm going to ask y'all, what in our world do you see as a seedless watermelon and a seeded watermelon? You know, and, and, and I know, take a second, because that's a weird comparison, but like, what is something that looks really similar, but one's kind of prettier, but not natural, and one's a little bit messier, but it's real? This is going to really make me sound super Gen Z right now, but okay. <laughs> this is genuinely what I believe. Instagram, seedless watermelon. Ooh. TikTok, seeded watermelon. Talk about that. Okay, because Instagram, it's about... It's changing a little bit, but for the most part, it's kind of about putting off this perception of who you are through pictures, through videos, a curated feed that looks beautiful it's polished, and has it's all the highlights. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, you have all your friends on there, but you're probably you're probably trying to get more than just your friends, which is a little bit odd. Like you're almost using it as um like a website kind of. Mm. And that's fine. But it doesn't really do much, you know, like it it stays pretty stagnant and there's not a lot of like what where's the good coming from that? I don't know. It just feels mm-hmm. like it's fine, but meh, whatever. TikTok, on the other hand, <laughs> is very imperfect. It's it's very much about, you know, you you pull out your camera and you talk about what you're thinking about or what's happening in your life, but it's not polished it's mm. uh your feed doesn't m- really matter at all nobody is looking at what yeah. it aesthetically looks like and there's so many so many practical things i've taken away from that even just like dumb things that i did not know i'm like mm. oh okay thank you but also it's a, it's very educational and i don't know it really it's like gives people the opportunity to share a part of your life which was the that is the goal of social media, right, mm-hmm. was to, like, share a little bit of who you are. And it became twisted in this different ways through all the different platforms. But TikTok has the most realness to yeah. it. Like, this is just who I am. And and it's kind of fun because it feels like everyone's on the same page about that. And nobody really cares. Like, the fact that you mm-hmm. open up the app and you're seeing people you don't know all the time. Like, you're always constantly seeing a yeah, new face true. and a new story. It's pretty nice. It like takes all the pressure off of social media. So yeah. I know that made me sound really young and <laughs> maybe no, like <laughs> you know for I'll I'll try to age that a little bit. Thank you. It's almost like the if you go your text messages and look at your different texts. And it's like you're texting your yeah. your boss or a coworker and it's hey meeting moved to one. Bring the report. Blah blah blah. It's kind of that official that thing. I know. <laughs> But then you go to that group text with your family or your friends, and it's just chaos. Bunch it's just links and funny of, gifts and memes, yeah. and it's just it's just like super like us, you know. It's yeah, like this yeah. is yeah, this is really what it looks like for yeah. us. And that to me is exactly that. It's mm-hmm. like, and I like your social media things. That's more public, but but yeah, I think that's a great example of that. That's good. What you My got, mind, Jeff? Beat I that. Know, I don't know. why I just took this this route. Uh, My mind just kind of goes with how we deal with community. Mm-hmm. And how we interact with each other. I think the seedless watermelon is everybody kind of having this mindset of if everyone just thought the way I thought, the world would be a better place. Mm. 
And that's why we're all constantly just trying to change each, other mind, each mm. other's minds without going anywhere. Whereas the seed-filled watermelon is understanding that there are different people in this world, that they have different yeah. mindsets, and that those bring beauty into the world and make the world a more life-filled place. Than- no, that's really good. We talk about that. I, I even think about Signs of Life is kind of mm. the, this other podcast that we do weekly. And it's like we're not going to focus on all of the negative things that separate us, which is easy to do Mm -hmm. and sometimes maybe necessary. I don't really know. But it's like what you're saying, what if we just focused on all the things that brought us together Yeah, (laughs) and talked about that way more than the things that just separate us? It's like, what the heck? Just total mindset shift. (laughs) Well, Jeff, I like what you said there of of, like if I were going to compare like seedless watermelon is constantly talking, seeded is constantly listening. Yeah. And so- being open to having conversations, hearing perspectives, that sort of lens I think is good. And I think that is, um, that's actually the opportunity that we get when we engage in these kind of conversations. So like we get to do this for the podcast, but these conversations hopefully are happening, you know, at lunch with your friends after church. Uh, and that's kind of part of why we started our Talk It Out Live event. Mm-hmm. Our next one's coming up August 18th. And and that's what we get to do. We gather once a month. And we just had our first one in July, kind of a soft launch, uh, but it went really well. Like I think people enjoyed it, and it was mm-hmm. it was good to hear other people's perspectives, and it helped me. Uh, and I know that's how it is for all of us. Like when we hear someone, and just what Montana said too, like sharing those stories, like sharing how God has worked in your life, sharing how mm-hmm. this principle we're talking about, God showed up and did that for you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. I'm challenged when I have to give my perspective or think, okay, well, how has God done that in my life? Maybe he's done it in this way. Like that's this opportunity to talk it out live is we yeah. we get mm-hmm. to get together. You get to sit at a table with some people, you know, maybe some people you don't get some snacks, which is always fun, but like engage in these kind of conversations. And so I, I'm looking forward to our next one. Like we said, August 18th, school semester starting up. Everyone's kind of coming back from summer vacations. Uh, it's a great time to jump in. And and the goal of that night really like is to meet some people, uh, but also to be encouraged, to get to have some conversations around uh, whatever the message series that we're in. Um, and so make sure you're there August 18th at 7 p.m. Uh, right there at, in Argyle, at the Argyle campus. Thanks so much for joining us for Talk It Out. Uh, Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get these every Tuesday morning when they release. Uh, And you don't have to wait for Talk It Out Live. Send this episode to someone and say, hey, let's grab lunch. Uh, I'd love to talk about it and see what you're learning uh, and be able to share what God's doing in my life. Uh, And I know that'll be good for you and it'll be good for all of us. So we'll see you next time on Talk It Out.